So here we are. We're in a new series, and I'm excited about this series. Um, you know, a few months back, I got to thinking about, as we come into the holiday period, just this whole theme of, of thankfulness. My wife and I are reading through the Psalms right now in our reading time together daily. And, uh, and the, the Psalms are so beautiful, right? They're just rich. There's poetry. Uh, there's beauty. There's power. There's metaphor. There's lots of, lots of things that give us a, a beautiful picture of God. And I was struck in reading through the Psalms how much and how often the theme of thankfulness comes up. It's one of the primary themes in the Psalms. And so I thought, wow, this would be great to just take a month, and what a great month to do that, in the month of November, and just focus on what it means to be thankful. And I think there's four areas that I kind of, as I surveyed the Psalms and looked at what the psalmists have to say about thankfulness, I I found that there were four areas that really... Uh, thankfulness needs to be connected to. One is just the, the expression of our life. Um, th- there, should be just, there should be a recognized component of gratefulness in our lives. If there's anybody that ought to be grateful, it ought to be believers in Christ. And so I saw that in the Psalms. I also saw that there's something about what happens here in this place when we come together and worship and how gratefulness ought to sort of be like just the tone of everything. Gratefulness, And then I saw that in my service, what I do for God at work and in the church uh, should be motivated and, and flow out of my gratitude, that it's not duty and I'm just doing this because someone told me to or I have to, but I'm actually, my life is an expression of gratefulness. I saw that in the Psalms. And then I also saw that when it comes to witnessing to people that don't know this great God of ours, one of the things that connect people faster than anything is to see a grateful heart. Because in a culture that we live in, everybody's cynical. Everybody wants to complain. You know, there's, in every company, there's a complaint department. But there's not a gratitude compartment. You know that? I mean, nobody comes and says, hey, where can I just give a lot of appreciation? To? No, where can, I, where can I fill out a complaint form? That's what people want to know about. So, so there's something about the way we witness Gratitude needs to be brought into it. So putting all that together, here are the sermon titles and the themes that we're taking this month. Today we're going to look at Make It Our Song. That's our life, our expression of our lives, Make It Our Song. Next week we're talking about Bring It to Church. <laughs> bring gratitude to church. Uh, bring it as a part of your worship experience. Thirdly, we're going to see uh, Put It to Work. Uh, in the things you do, the work you do, and the service you render, gratitude ought to flow. And then finally, use it to witness. And that's the whole theme of, of our expression of gratitude in, in the people that don't know Christ. So that's where we're going, the little four-part fun series in the Psalms, Poetic Insights into a Thoroughly Thankful Life. We're going to camp out in the Psalms. And today, we're going to look at a lot of Psalms. That's why I just had you go to the book of Psalms, because we're going to be in a lot of different places. As I read through, let me just give you a couple other quick little kind of observations that I made. Most of the time in the Psalms, uh, the idea of gratefulness is just sort of there in terms of our need to be thankful rather than necessarily a reason or instruction about it, that it's just good to be thankful to God because of who He is. And so that's one thing I observed, and we'll peel that back a little bit more this morning. Another thing I observed is that there are a lot of words in the Psalter about thankfulness that don't come out in our English translations as thankful. For example, the word praise, uh, the word bow down, the word bless, all of those have nuances from the central word of gratitude. And I thought it would be fun to walk through some of the common Hebrew words 
uh, just so that we get a little handle on this this morning, there are many, I just chose four that might give us a little thought. The first Hebrew word of praise, it's often translated praise in our uh, uh, Old Testament uh, book of Psalms, but it's also translated thanks, and it's the word yada. Just say the word yada. Say that. Okay. Now, when you say yada, you're saying uh, praise, you're saying thankfulness. It literally means hands to God. It's a picture of raising our hands to God. Now, we even sang this morning a song about raising our hands to God. And we lift our hands to God. It's, a, it's an expression of praise, but in, interwoven into that praise is a spirit of gratitude. We praise God because of how great He is and how grateful we are. Uh, Psalm 141.2, don't turn there, just Psalm 141.2, may the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. Uh, Psalm 63, 4, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. Yada, that's the lifting of my hands. The second word that caught my attention that we translate in the Psalms with praise and thanksgiving is the word toda. Just say that, toda. And, and that word is the idea of to speak the same thing. It's connected to the Greek word amalageo, which means to agree with or to say the same thing. Both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, whenever we bring toda, whenever we bring amalageo, we are agreeing with God. And so sometimes our thankfulness is just simply agreeing with how great God is. We're agreeing with His character, His, his, uh, his life. We're agreeing that He's a God of justice, a God of mercy, a God of compassion, like we've been looking in recent weeks, a God of uh, a justice, maybe I said that, a God of wrath, a God of love, all of his attributes, an infinite number of attributes. Some of his attributes he even allows us to share in, but some of his attributes we don't share in. They're uh, his sovereignty, for example. We don't share that attribute. Only God is sovereign. Um, so some of these things remind us of, of praise. So we declare praise, we give thanks to God, sometimes simply confessing who he is and what he has done in our lives. Another word, baruch, say that word, baruch. That word is an interesting word. It's another word for praise and it literally means to bow down or kneel. It's sometimes translated bless, like in Psalm 103 verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Now, the NIV translates that, praise the Lord, O my soul. So the word praise and the word bless are often used interchangeably in Scripture. Come, let us bow down in worship, the psalmist says in Psalm 95. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. It's a humbling, submissive act that we come with gratitude before God. Another word, the fourth word, halah, just say that. Halah, or sometimes it's used halel. It's the idea of, and we know that the beginning of that word is often found in another expression in the Psalms, which is hallelujah, which is, is halel to praise, and Yehovah or Yahweh, those two words come together in this beautiful word hallelujah, which is a praise to God, and that word is used in every language. Hallelujah is never translated in specific language. It's always hallelujah. Go to China, go to Latin America, go to anywhere in the world where language is not American or English, and the word hallelujah will show up. It's a word that captures the heart of fervent and even clamorous praise. When you see the word hallelujah in Scripture, it's exuberant, it's energetic. Now, I know that it's, it's hard necessarily to always get a handle around that, but this last week, real easy. Just think of a Giants fan this week. 
You know, think about those people that watched that amazing Game 7 in the World Series. And, and for the Giants fans, well, for the Royals, they were, they were doing a lot of that Hallel praise for their team, exuberant, crazy, out-of-the-box kind of stuff. And then at the end of the game, eh, not so much. But the, the Giants fans, you know, going crazy. When, when you're at a game like that or you're a sports fan and there's something inside of you when your team does something, you just go, yeah, you just go crazy. You know, that's Hallel. The Psalms of Hallel are all about praise, exuberant praise. And so it's, it's, it's interesting. I kind of beg the question a little bit as to why, why as God's people sometimes we almost have to be prodded to praise God with exuberance. Well, we really shouldn't. What should drive us, what should motivate, motivate exuberant praise is to just know this God for who He is. And in certain contexts, it just makes a lot of sense to just let it rip, you know. When we're together as God's people, there are places and times, not all the time. You know, David danced before the Lord and he was looked as being undignified. You remember as the ark was coming into Jerusalem. But David didn't always dance before the Lord. Sometimes he knelt down, he bowed low before the Lord, he lifted his hands in praise. And so this is what you get in the Psalter. You get, you get a lot of contrasting and beautiful images of what praise is all about. And all of that to say, once again, that when you see praise or thanksgiving in the, New, in the Old Testament Psalms, you're really seeing more of it's important that we thank more than how we thank and in sometimes even more than the things that we're thankful for. So this is a series to help us see that Thanksgiving is something that God really wants to be a part of our lives. So we need to make it our song. We need to bring it to church. We need to take it and put it to work. And we need to uh, uh, share, use it to share with our friends. Okay? So with all that in mind, and by the way, that's the mark of a believer, a, a, a grateful life. Romans 1 tells us that while though they knew God, this is speaking of people that do not know God in a, in a personal covenant way. Although they knew God, Paul writes, Romans 1, 21, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God, nor did they give him what? Thanks. Yeah, some of you know that verse. It's the mark of a believer to be grateful to God because all gratefulness in life starts with that. I mean, the... If, if you know an atheist, the, the atheist's worst day is when they're filled with thanks and they really got nobody to give it to. Think about that for a minute. Because you are wired, you are created to be grateful to God. And, the, and when that happens, it happens when, sorry, it happens when we see what God has done for us, that he's given us his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he's paid the penalty for our sins, that he's given us new life through faith in him, and that we can experience this covenant relationship with him. That's, that's where we overflow with gratefulness in our hearts to God. And that overflows into gratefulness to others. We become grateful people, and it's the mark of a believer's life. And, and yet, some of us struggle in that area. We're a little bit, the, the focus is a little too much on us right now. And and it's easy to be complainers, and we've all been there, and, and Larry Vold needs more gratefulness in his life. We all need this. So with that, we're going to walk down through a bunch of uh, beautiful scriptures today that will give us some windows into the promptings of gratefulness. And so if you're taking notes, uh, I'm going to give you six things, and we're going to go real fast, and you're going to have to keep up, okay? 
Number one, and I'm going to change the word should in all of these little prepositions to can, because I don't want you to see this as sort of like, you ought to do this. I want, I want you to see that this is permissible to do this. And that's what I saw in the Psalms. For example, um, we can be grateful to God when we think of Him and who He is. Now, that's all over the Psalms, but let me just give you a couple of them. We're going to read them on, out loud. We'll put them on the screen here. Let's start with Psalm 717. Okay, ready? Here we go. I will give thanks to the Lord because of His righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. That word praise there is yada. That's the, the, the lifting of the hands. And it's an expression of gratefulness. And he already started by saying, I will give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because of his righteousness. But then he says, I will give praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Because the name represents all of who God is. When you say the name of the Lord, you're saying not just his righteousness. You're saying his sovereignty, his protection, his, his goodness, his mercy, his wrath, his justice. All of those things. And David, we believe there in that psalm, says... I'm thankful to God because I think about God. Uh, a contemplative life is a great way to become a more grateful person. Now, people that never stop out of their busy life and unplug all the gadgets that they've got electronically woven into their brains, you know, um, until you do all that, until you can take time daily to contemplate, think about God, uh, you're probably not going to Come to that place of real gratitude or the depth that you could be experiencing. Because thinking about God is going to prompt gratefulness about God. Thinking about God prompts gratefulness to God. Uh, Psalm 71, 19, once again, likely David, the psalmist writes, he says, let's read it together. He says, your righteousness reaches to the skies, O God. You have done great things. Who, O God is like you. What a beautiful verse that is. Uh, that's a reminder to us that, um, that there's no one like God. There's nobody like God. David spent a lot of time thinking about God. Think about this. He was a shepherd and he had a lot of time where he could just sort of contemplate. You say, well, I'm busy. I run a business. I've got all kinds of stuff going in my life. Yeah, I get it. I mean, this is a fast-paced society that we're in. So we have to choose to think about God. That means we've got to start each day or find a place and a time each day where we can actually dial in and start thinking about God. Because if you don't, if you don't, everything else will crowd out what God wants you to see in your life and mostly what he wants to see about him. That's why in Psalm 35, and let's just turn there for a minute, Psalm 35, quickly, everybody. I had you go to the Psalms. Now I'm going to take you right to a chapter that I want you to look at. <clears throat> he says, my, look at verse 10. My whole being will exclaim, who is like you, O Lord? Now when was the last time you felt like you just had to scream out the uniqueness and the glory of God in your life? Now, again, maybe you scream in your heart. Maybe there's more of an internal sort of Yahoo kind of thing happens in your life. But, but the reality is if you can't even think of a time where there was not a desire to express yourself with exuberance or to bow low before God or to sort of raise your hands to the heavens and say, God, you are so awesome. Can I suggest to you that you're just not thinking about him enough? 
And that's why David would exclaim, who is like you, O Lord? Uh, Isaiah the prophet, God says through Isaiah the prophet, he says, I am the Lord and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God, Isaiah 45. Uh, that's, a, that's God saying it. He's saying, there's nobody like me. And he gives us the grace to see that and to realize that there's no one like our God. So we praise him and we praise him like we sing so beautifully in that song. So I had you turn to Psalm 35 because it points us to another prompt that, I, that, that God uh, wants us to see. We can make our gratefulness to God known simply because of who he is. But secondly, if you're taking notes, we can be grateful to God even when we feel overwhelmed by opposition, problems, trials, headaches, hassles. Now in Psalm 35, Psalm 35 is one of those psalms we know as imprecatory psalms, and there's a lot of them, uh, 52, 58, 59, 69, 109, 137. You don't have to write them down. The point is, once in a while you come across these psalms known as imprecatory psalms, and imprecatory psalms are basically the writer saying, God, it just doesn't look like things are going the way they should be going. God, when are you going to turn this around? When are you going to change? When are you going to turn upside down the evil of the world, the injustice of the world? When we read imprecatory psalms, we get the feeling that the person writing is saying, God, I hate the place I'm in, but I know someday you're going to change it. I know someday it's going to be different. And it comes out really strong. It comes out in words like, crush our enemies, Lord. You know, when you pray the imprecatory psalms, sometimes they kind of fire you up. And if you're ever having a problem with somebody or you see a lot of injustice, just say, I'm going to pray for you. And then just pray an imprecatory psalm. <laughs> Don't tell them what it is. Just, I'm praying for you. That'll really encourage them. <laughs> I'm praying that God's judgment will fall down. No, I'm just saying. This is, this is what you see. It's kind of like, let me give you an example. I'm driving down the highway the other day. I'm on Highway 580. And there's a guy come behind me. He's really gaining on me. And I'm doing about the speed limit. And... And he goes by me like I'm standing still. And I'm like, whoa. And then he's doing this thing where he's not hitting the brakes at all. He's just, he's like a, in a video game. He's just choosing his path. And it's not rush hour traffic, but traffic is kind of thick. And he's just, he's just gliding. I'm going, this guy is a really good driver, first of all. <laughs> kind of cool. But then I'm thinking, where is a CHP when you need him? <laughs> and then I'm reminded of that moment. I look at my speedometer. Ooh, I'm a little bit, you know, I'm not totally within the law either. So I'm saying in one breath, I'm saying, God, take care of this injustice. But then in another breath, I'm saying, but let me go okay. You know, let me, let me you know, maybe I could follow this guy a little bit. I could make a little better time, you know. It's a silly illustration, but here's, here's what the Lord spoke to me about when I, when I kind of went through that little exercise in my mind. As a follower of Christ, I realize that I have not been treated as I deserve. I deserve judgment. I deserve wrath. I deserve condemnation. But God being so rich in his mercy, Ephesians 2.1, rich in his mercy, has not given me what I deserve. He's, he's given me what I don't deserve, mercy. And so in the imprecatory psalms, we get a window of, yeah, the world isn't right, and God, would you judge all this? But there's also a sense of, 
I can still thank you, God, for your grace and mercy in my life. You're in Psalm 35. Look at this. Look at verse 11. Ruthless witnesses come forward. They question me on things I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good and leave my soul forlorn. Verse 15. When I stumbled, they gathered in glee. Attackers gathered against me when I was unaware. They slandered me without ceasing. Verse 17. Oh Lord, how long will you look on? Rescue my life from their ravages, my precious life from these lions. Ever felt that way? Ever felt like people are just rolling over you? And you're just not, I know a couple in our church that came up to me a couple weeks ago. They own a business and they're getting sued because the people think they did something wrong to them and they didn't. They're telling me the story and they didn't. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm, that's terrible. And, and if you're a business owner, you can just relate to this, how terrible it is when you're sort of being brought this opposition. But here was their prayer. It was so beautiful. They said, pray that the witness of Christ would come through our testimony to them. Now that's a person that is looking at things from the right perspective. They're asking for prayer, get them through this trial, but they're not praying God's judgment on because of the fact they're getting kind of rolled over. They're actually, they're actually giving praise to God that, and asking for God to use their witness to bless this family. They give me an update a couple weeks later saying God's at work. It's not solved yet, but God's at work. God is doing a, a special thing. That's a beautiful picture. So look at verse 18. I will give you thanks in the great assembly, David writes, among throngs of people, I will praise you. Now, that's in the same breath of, God, would you bring justice here? Look at, at the end, verse 28. My tongue will speak of your righteousness and your praises all day long. So, when you're, when, this is what I observe when it comes to gratefulness. Even when we're harassed, even when life is terrible, even when it's really dark, we can still offer God thanks and praise how long? All day. That's beautiful. That's an observation I wanted to point out. Here's a third prompt I see. We can, we can be grateful to God whenever we think of Him. We can be grateful to God when we face oppositions and, and trials in life. Thirdly, we can be grateful to God when calling out in prayer. I know that's real simple, but something about prayer and thankfulness always go together. Um, I went out to our prayer wall this morning and just grabbed some of our praises off the wall. Uh, and it's okay to do that, by the way. Remember, that's an organic place. We want you to take those requests, requests on the right side, praises on the left side. And what I've found when I'm going through the week and I grab some of those slips to just pray, I might be going to my office, I'm going to grab a couple of prayer requests, a couple of praises and just go celebrate with people. Then I go back down and tuck them in. Um, and not always. We want that to be a turnover situation. And there's nothing sacred about the wall or about these little slips of paper. But it's an organic place. So here's, here's some of the praises I read this morning. Praise God. I passed my finals uh, for serving in the fire department. Someone there. A guy or gal. Just that's a great praise. Praise God for blessing me uh, and my family during my first year of my, of my retirement from a really stressful job. Um, so far, so wonderful. Thank you, God. Just, that's cool. I just rejoice in that. I praise the Lord, my God. I passed my state board exams and I finished my courses. Praise God for that, this person writes. Thank you, Jesus, for the resources you give me to bless others around me, less fortunate, people who are hungry. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for all you mean to me and all you've given to me. These are just, I just pulled these off this morning and, and it's so cool. Some of them I recognize on the left side, the praise side, are actually still petitions. They're actually 
people going through a tough time, but they're choosing to praise God. Praise God for, my, for the family issue I'm dealing with right now. Because what, what God wants to show us in all these situations, and thank you for those of you that wrote those, and I'll put those back a little bit later. I, I want you to know that what God wants us to see often is that he's in the work. He's doing work. He's working behind the scenes. He's got a plan. He's sovereign. So we can in advance thank the Lord. And uh, I see this connection in prayer. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was thought that if, if God could hear you, he would answer your prayer. And of course, God hears everything we cry out to him for, but I, I, I'm reminded of, of this in the, in the book of First uh, uh, John, where it tells us this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he, what? He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. That's the New Testament corollary to the Old Testament uh, assumption that if God can hear us, he will answer our prayer. Uh, now, it says of the, in the Old Testament that God does not hear the wicked. In other words, if, if you're not in relationship with God, if you're not in covenant with God, God has no obligation to hear anything you say. I know people that are outside of God's family that, that say, oh, I pray all the time. And I, I kind of want to be honest with them and saying, well, of course, it's not like God can't hear a person's heart. But what God tunes his heart to is the heart of his covenant children and accomplishing his will, sovereign will, through the prayers of his people. And this is a beautiful mystery, how God prompts us to pray. We pray, God accomplishes his plan and purpose, and his plan and purpose is often beyond anything that we could even ask or think of or dream of, if Ephesians 3.20 tells us that. And so God does this amazing work, but there's always this connection between prayer and thankfulness, like Colossians 4.2, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So prayer and thanksgiving go together. We see it in the Psalms and we see it in the New Testament as well. One of the little exercises you might do this week is simply to listen for how much gratefulness comes out in your prayers. I mean, let's be honest. Sometimes when we pray, it's more about, God, I need this, I need that. I, help me, God, I'm, I'm struggling. And we just sort of like gush out all this, you know, the grocery list. And why not, why not really start our time, like I learned when I was a kid, the little acronym ACTS, A-C-T-S, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication or request to God. It's a beautiful little acronym. But just listen in your prayers this week. Maybe make note of it. Ask people around you, hey, when I pray, would you just, just help me to, am I grateful? Am I showing my gratitude to God? You know, gratitude is a huge thing, and it's, it's connected in prayer. I noticed that in the Psalms. It's another observation. So we can thank, when we think about him, we can, we can uh, thank him. When we face opposition, we can thank him. When we call out to him in prayer, we can thank him. Number four, uh, we can be grateful to God. We can thank him when we see that he's brought us through. And you see this in the Psalms all over the place, too. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, we come to times in our lives where we don't know if we're going to get through. Some of us are in something right now. Some of us are going through something right now. Can I hear an amen? Is there anybody? We've all, we've all got stuff going. We've all got things that are not right in our lives, things that we're needing to petition God for. But it's cool. Sometimes you get on the other side and you realize, wow, God brought me through. And that's a beautiful thing. In Psalm 30, Psalm 30, some of our Bibles we have at the, at the start of this psalm, uh, uh, 
the title, A Dedication of the Temple of David. It's more likely his palace. And I was thinking about David's life, thinking about the orders he took from his brothers, the years as a shepherd boy, fighting the giant, chosen by God, hated by Saul, running from the Philistines, conflicts within Israel, finally becoming king, building this palace. And maybe David, when he wrote Psalm 30, was thinking more of, God, you have really brought me through. And I, and I key in on this little phrase in verse 5 where he says, weeping may remain for a night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. That's a beautiful psalm. It's, it doesn't mean when we go to bed at night we're crying and in the morning it's like, yay, you know. It's a metaphor. It's a picture that there's a season of, of sorrow, but it's always followed by a season of rejoicing. In that same psalm, Psalm 30, verse 11 and 12, you turn my wailing into dancing, you remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy, that my heart may sing to you and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give you thanks, how long? Forever. Make it your song. That's what the psalmist is saying. The correlative of that in Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things God works for the good to those that love him, to those who have been called according to his purpose. We can thank him when we think of him. We can thank him when we're opposed and hated. We can thank him when we call to him in prayer. We can thank him when we have gotten through. We can also thank him when we consider his enduring love. Uh, these last two will go really quick. Psalm 118, 1 through 3. Uh, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say, his love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, his love endures forever. Let all three crosses say, his love endures forever. It's like the psalmist is goading us to remember the love, the eternal, sovereign love of God. It's a beautiful thing. The sovereign love of God for his people. Psalm 136 repeats this refrain 26 times. The love of the Lord endures forever. You know, God has a general love. The Bible talks about his general love. For God so loved the world, general love over every planet, every person, every life, every, everything. But his covenant people... He reserves a sovereign love, the love of Romans 8. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Nothing. No one. This is his sovereign love. And it should provoke in us a spirit of gratefulness to think of the, the love of God in our lives. Lastly, grateful to God, we can thank him for his precious word. His precious word. In the longest psalm of the Old Testament, Psalms, Psalm 119, we key in at verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. Verse 62, at midnight I rise to give you thanks for your righteous laws. Verse 164, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws. Verse 171, may my lips overflow with praise for you teach me your decrees the happiest part of my day, the joyous part of my day, the most fulfilling part of my day, the most rewarding part of my day is to read God's Word and with my wife read God's Word and to let God's Word wash over our hearts. It's a reason to give thanks. It's a reason to give praise. I love how Psalm 147.7 puts it. It says, sing to the Lord with thanksgiving, make music 
to our God on the harp. When it comes to gratitude, we need to make it our song. What song have you been singing lately? Let's go to the Lord right now. Lord, just the beginning today, we've got a lot to cover in the next few weeks and some beautiful psalms we're going to just camp in. So we thank you, Lord. Your word is so great, and we give you praise for every word. Lord, you brought us today. Maybe there's someone here that does not have a relationship with you, maybe religious, maybe has background in the church, maybe raised in the church, maybe been away. But Lord, today you brought them, and maybe by your grace you would have revealed to them that they need to begin a true covenant relationship by simply receiving the gift that you offer so freely. You tell us in John chapter 1 that to as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And Lord, maybe there's someone here today that needs to receive your gift, the gift of life in Jesus Christ. Repent of sin, turn from a life of wickedness and rebellion and submit their lives to bow low, to raise their hands, to exuberantly praise and give you glory. And Lord, may that work begin today in somebody's heart. Thank you, Lord, for how free you offer this gift. But it wasn't free to you. It cost you your very life. We don't understand that. We never will. How you, God, came to this earth in the form of a man. We're about to celebrate that in a big way. It's a mystery. How, God, you came to earth and you died for us. You rose again from the grave. And you offer to every person, even all of us rebel sinners, the grace and mercy through Jesus Christ. So, Lord, let it be heard in our hearts and let us be speaking it back to you, God, that we receive this gift and we follow you, Lord. We leave our lives of sin behind and we follow you. We follow you, Lord. Thank you for all that have assembled here today. We'll never be here together again the same way, ever, ever. So, Lord, there's a divine appointment today for all of us and we don't want to miss any moment. So, Lord, take these final few minutes of this service and maybe even a couple minutes later and just do your work. Bring conviction, bring a new heart of gratefulness in our lives. May we truly be a, a, the men and women that sing your song, the song of praise. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna receive this special offering right now and, and just a reminder, again, the sermon is over. The, servant, the service isn't quite over. So if you could hold steady, please, and not leave. Don't make this a cue to head to the parking lot. It'll help our ushers. It'll also help us to stay in a spirit of, of worship. So ushers, if you'll make your way forward, let's, as a part of worship, let's give to the Lord right now. And let's uh, bless some people's lives. Lord Jesus, thank you. We bring these gifts in asking that you will have your way. and You will be blessed. The people that will receive these gifts, Lord, may never know who gave it to them, but they will one day give you praise because it came from you. In Jesus' name, amen.